to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, my name is Ben Standig and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Excited to be back with you guys. It's the first Monday after the first Sunday of the NFL season. Not a happy Monday, though. (laughs) Definitely not in the DMV. Lots of things went wrong for the Washington football team on Sunday. They lose to the Los Angeles Chargers 20-16 and... They lose quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick to a hip injury. He is now going on injured reserve. Ron Rivera confirmed that today. It's a hip sub... Oh, boy, I'm going to butcher this. Sublection? Sublection? I got nothing. Um, And anyway, Fitzpatrick headed at Mariah today. He is going to be out for a minimum of three weeks uh, or three, three games. That said, ESPN subsequently, after Rivera spoke and after my interview with our guest today... Uh, none other than the mouth of the South, Fred Smoot. Uh, ESPN had a report that Fitzpatrick is expected to be out six to eight weeks. We'll get to that in a second. Whatever it is, it's Taylor Heineke's show Thursday night against the Giants. And beyond that, we will just have to see. There's a lot to discuss here with, on the quarterback front. And as I mentioned, a uh, great guest today, Fred Smoot, <laughs> brings the the insight and the entertainment as only he can. We had a fun conversation about what he saw on Sunday, what he thinks about the quarterback change. We, we got into uh, the defense, the the, the, the defensive line, cornerback uh, Benjamin St. Just got picked on a little bit. Um, and then we got in, I, I, I haven't, I haven't done the, uh, I, the, the questions in a while that I would, that I asked some guests. I, I can't say it was five questions because I think I only asked Smoot four, but I did bring back some of the questions that I know a lot of you guys have liked. So that only added to the high entertainment value that only Fred Smoot can deliver. So we'll get to all that and more in just a moment here on the Standard Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else you do your podcasting. And, of course, make sure to check out The Athletic. I wrote on I wrote my thoughts on Fitzpatrick um, you know, on Washington's Day Sunday, but specifically from the Fitzpatrick angle and how they're just after one game, there's now more questions and answers than there were a couple of days before. And by the time you guys hear this, there should be probably another story up on The Athletic. Uh, sort of looking at a bunch of different angles out of this scenario. There's the Ryan Fitzpatrick aspect of it. There's the uh, attempt at revisionist history that some are putting out there with possibly signing. Why didn't they take Justin Herbert second of all? I, I squashed that and do so with bringing back Dwayne Haskins into the into the discussion. Uh, I look at the snap counts, what that told us about safeties, Cole Holcomb, uh, the wide receivers. I have a thought on who who in among the wide receivers could have a a, a change here in in um, in usage based off of Week One with the quarterback change and a bunch more. So make sure to check that out. All right, so I got into most of the Ryan Fitzpatrick stuff with Smoot, so I don't want to rehash too much here at the top. Obviously, it's just a bummer of a bummer of, of news. I mean, look, uh, you know, there's the there, there's the personal aspect of it. You feel bad for a guy. You know, this was a big chance for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's bounced around his whole career. He's get this opportunity to come in knowing he's the guy. He works with this team all 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 off season. Um, you know, obviously, we didn't see too much out of him in the first. You know, what was it? Not he got hurt nine minutes in the nine minutes left in the second quarter. So, so what's that? 21 minutes of game action of which, you know, he's not even on the field for, for a ton of that in part because the Chargers kept moving the ball. 
So we didn't get those moments, those Fitz Magic moments. I mean, they only produced um, two field goals in his four possessions. But whatever. Obviously, the belief was that Ryan Fitzpatrick would give Washington a better advantage at quarterback. They are now without. So, at least for a while. If you, if you look at that six to eight week timeline that I mentioned, if you just take it to the end of that, week eight would essentially be where their bye week is in um, week nine. So, you could be looking at facing the Bucks, possibly coming back to face the Bucks. What is that? Week 10, week 11, something like that. I should know this, but I don't have it in front of me. So, Take that for what it's worth. We're, we're just going to have to wait and see on that. Ron Rivera, as I said, did speak with reporters. He really <laughs> was not that interested in, in in offering too many other details beyond what I basically just told you. They will be having a second opinion. Um, they will not be bringing in other veteran quarterbacks. They did add uh, former Vanderbilt quarterback Kyle Shermer to the practice squad today. Um He's bounced around with the Chiefs and the Bengals and their practice squads, but no, nothing from an NFL resume. Uh, from an NFL resume, so um, we'll we'll see what, what what he offers other than just some sort of practice help once he gets acclimated. Uh, but for now, no no Cam Newton uh, or anything along those lines. Um, I, I you know we could probably stop all that stuff. There, the drop from Fitzpatrick to Heineke to Kyle Allen should he enter the the equation and I told you on the podcast the season preview I did with Michael Phillips I said that if a quarterback was going to start a game this season I predicted it would be Kyle Allen assuming it would be later in the year obviously we're not later in the year we're only into the second game so it's going to be Heineke and look God bless Taylor Heineke he has done yeoman's work every time he's come in he plays hard he, he injects energy William Jackson talked about the swagger that this quarterback had um, <laughs> that, that you know when he came into the game, and he there's no arguing that Rivera today talked about the fact that there are just some guys who have an innate ability to bring energy and confidence to a group, and Heineke is one of those guys. I don't think there's any argument about that. That said, there have been four NFL games in his career in which he's like you know thrown a decent amount of passes, not just like coming in for the kneel down, but like you know thrown. A, a fair amount of passes in the two starts. He, he suffered injuries, including the separated shoulder against Tampa Bay and his teams have never the, in those four games. His teams have never finished with a win. I'm not suggesting that's on him. I'm just saying we haven't seen Taylor Heineke win a game in, you know, like where he's finished in, 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 in you know, in, in a substantive way. So um, no idea what's going to happen here. I'd be lying if I said I did. Um, I, I think he, I don't think, I'm, I'm not, I'm definitely not writing off the season, just to be clear about that. Heineke has shown he can play. That performance against Tampa Bay last year was gutty. And Kyle Allen has shown he has an ability to play in this league. Play and win are separate issues. And even if Heineke comes out and has a good showing Thursday against the Giants, you know, can this be sustained over time? That is ultimately what we're looking at here. He reminds me of sort of a, of an NBA reserve who can come in and get you 10 or 12 points in a quarter. But when you start trying to play that player, you know, starting them or playing 30-plus minutes a game, they start to get overexposed. That's kind of what Heineke feels like to me, but we'll see. I'm happy to be proven wrong. He can he can bring some elements to this team. I'll talk about that with Smoot. He's optimistic. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but that's the deal. Ryan Fitzpatrick to IR, Taylor Heineke to start Thursday. Beyond that, it is de- it's the definition of wait and see. Um. On another injury note, just right before I started this this podcast, uh, recording this podcast, it's just before five o'clock on 
Monday, um, Washington put out its injury report for the week. Now, there was no practice today, but they did list uh, Antonio Gibson as a limited participant with a shoulder injury. He did leave the game briefly on uh, Sunday with his sh- with a shoulder issue. I believe it was his left shoulder that the training staff was taking a look at. Um, he came back into the game. He said afterwards he was fine, but he was listed as limited. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, on the Giants front, they also listed some some players. Again, also no practice. Saquon Barkley uh, limited with a, a knee issue. Guard Shane Lemieux, one of their starters, was, was listed as out. He suffered an injury in the first half of that game. So um, we will have to see how that uh, goes on both both fronts. I mean, again, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a must-win game. And I, apologies, I already forgot if I talked about this with Smoot. I did Kevin Sheehan's radio show this morning. I, I'm, I'm doing that again every Monday this season. And I did a podcast with Lindy, Lindsay Rhodes uh, for, I guess it's for Sirius XM. So I've talked a bunch about this team today. It's not a must-win game because it's only week two. That said, we all know the stats of how bad it is for a team to start 0-2 and make the playoffs. And on top of that, you know, look what Washington has coming up after that. These first two games were at home. After that, the next two were at Buffalo and Atlanta. Even if they split those games, which would be probably a win at Atlanta, you're looking at a 1-3 start with then coming up the Saints, the Chiefs, both at home, then at Green Bay, at Denver, by week, Tampa. That is a daunting schedule, which is why I would just encourage Washington to figure out how to win this game. Of course, they have yet to beat Daniel Jones in any of his four starts against Washington. So there's that. Um, just a couple other quick notes. Um, I I interviewed Ron Rivera the other day um, for the Athletic. Didn't put it on the podcast. Just put that straight to the to the site, so you can check a look, take a look at that. It's still pertinent beyond this opening game. Um, but one of the questions I asked him was, who's a player that is being not being discussed a lot um, that we're overall overlooking? And the first name he just went straight to was safety Bobby McCain. And sure enough, Bobby McCain plays more snaps than any of the safeties on this team yesterday. Just a handful more than Landon Collins, a bunch more than Cam Curl. Um, I thought that was interesting. Pro football focus for whatever this is worth. And in the secondary, it's not always worth a lot. But they rated him as the Washington's fourth best defender and top uh, member of the secondary against the Chargers. So interesting note there. I definitely had Cameron Curl playing a large role. He still played a a fair amount of snaps, just not as many as I would have thought. But I'm imagining they just determined that McCain is the better free safety and they wanted that position out on the field um, regardless of, of anything else. Whereas Cam Curl was more of that, you know, Buffalo nickel slash slot guy. And you've got Kendall Fuller playing some more snaps there. Um, the, the, this time. So um, keep that under advisement. Uh, a couple of things. Cole Holcomb is the only defender to play all um, all the snaps. Uh, the defense was on the field way more than the offense. Other than the offensive line, Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas were the only players to play all 100 snaps. Deami Brown, second most snaps behind McLaurin, followed by Adam Humphreys with Cam Sims, Dax Milne, and DeAndre Carter, each only receiving two. Um, I'm forgetting. Oh, um, Chase Young played a healthy amount of snaps. Montez Sweat played a fair amount fewer. I had somebody tell me that they noticed Montez Sweat asking out a couple of times in the game. Rivera said post-game yesterday that part there, were, there, was, a, there was a couple of plays, including on the very first drive, 
where they had a bunch of reserves in there on the line. James Smith-Williams was noticeable because he got called for a, a neutral zone infraction on, on the opening drive, and the, the Chargers ended up scoring a few a, a player two later. And, and Rivera said that it, I don't know if he was talking. I don't think he was talk, referencing that time, but another time that they had played like seven snaps in a row. Whatever it is, um, it was a little surprising to see. It's game one. These guys should be in pretty good shape. It was a little surprising to see Montez Sweat in particular not play as much. They obviously can rotate guys in and out, but you know, Young and Sweat. That, that you know, these guys are going for sack records, right? So, uh, I mean, I say that somewhat tongue in cheek, even though that that's been said. But you know, you expect you expect these guys out there. You expect them to do a lot more. Uh, neither one of them did much of anything against Chargers rookie left tackle Rashawn Slater. That much was obvious. Um, I have not seen the all twenty-two though. To be to be clear, it is not available to us at this point. Um, don't know to be honest if we'll see it before the the Giants game, but we'll hope for the best on that front. Um, I think I'm just going to leave it there. Washington will practice Tuesday, and that probably will be all we will see of them until the game Thursday at home. Quick turnaround for everybody involved, including your fellow, your favorite reporters. Um, <laughs> it's it's always a rush to to get in here. Um, it's it's you know I know everybody sort of has a weekly routine, and for me at least, mine gets thrown off once the games start happening. It's a lot happening, and this was a busy 24 uh, hour period in particular because of. The Fitzpatrick injury. You're trying to catch up with 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 uh, whatever game tape you have access to. You're trying to rehash everything in your head. Trying to talk to different people. Trying to see what else is happening around the league. And it's a lot to take in. I absolutely am not complaining. Um, I'm not one of these people who who goes on social media and says, you know, hey, I'm I'm grateful and all these things. I, I guess I have talked about it a couple times here, but I mean, definitely, I'm very grateful to have this job. Uh, it is ridiculous that somebody pays me money to talk about professional f- football and sometimes the, the wizard. Um, so um, definitely appreciative of the opportunity. Grateful to everybody here for listening to the podcast and reading me over in the athletic. And um, <laughs> I'm laughing because Lenny is trying to jump up on the desk here to say hi to everybody, but I'm trying to keep him at bay while I'm talking. I'm very, very, very grateful that he's around. I, I will just say that much for sure. All right. <laughs> I'm getting weird now. Uh, let me get into this uh, entertaining interview with the the fun Fred Smoot uh, talking Ryan Fitzpatrick's injury, Taylor Heineke, and all other things f- from week one here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, here he is, as promised, to help me break down week one, uh, the Ryan Fitzpatrick injury. Taylor Heineke comes in, and maybe, maybe if we're lucky, we'll get to some name talk. Uh, he is none other than Fred Smoot. My guy, how are you? I appreciate the time. Anytime, brother. I am well. Beside, you know, getting that spanking from yesterday, I am doing well, brother. <laughs> well, I do, of course, want to get your take on the on the overall game, but I guess, you know, it feels like we got to start a little bit with the quarterback. It is a kind of important position, so they tell me, and Washington's got a new one already. <laughs> it feels like this is, I, I don't know how many times since you've now become a part of the media, how many times you've discussed a quarterback change. It's a yeah. lot. Uh, and the fact that it happened in the first half of the first game with a guy we just spent months talking about, about how he's going to fit, how Fitzpatrick, his aggressive style could, could benefit this team. How is he going to complement this defense, all that. And we're already out. Uh, Ron Rivera, as I said, at the top of the show said he's on IR. We don't know how long that means, but it doesn't sound like a great, a great uh, situation. What were your thoughts when you kind of watched it all unfold? 
First thing I thought, who stuck into who snuck into FedEx Field and buried a monkey's paw? Because we just got the worst luck when it comes to quarterbacks. But luckily, luckily, Tyler Heineke was right there. And I had already been saying this year, I felt he was going to have a Kirk Warner-esque moment where Fitzmagic would go down and he would come in never to give the job back. I just didn't know it was going to be in the first halftime of the first game. I didn't know it was going to happen so soon. But I feel good about him. I think he can make it happen. I think he's a threat to the defense in a, a whole nother way with the fact that he will use his feet. When he uses his feet, it extends plays and it extends drive. When he came into the game yesterday, he, he brought some energy to an offense that looked kind of slow yesterday when they started out. So I think Heineke will be, I think he'll grow in the position. The question is, who do you have backing him up? And do you trust him? Or do you sign a Cam Newton? That's that's gonna be asked. <laughs> well, uh we get to the Cam Newton part. I mean, so they did today add uh Kyle Shermer as a practice squad quarterback. That's obviously just for for basic depth purposes, fine. Rivera at his press conference today was asked if they plan on bringing in anybody else. It was not asked specifically Cam Newton, but he said, no, we're good for now. So, I mean, they've had multiple chances to bring in Cam Newton, or at least certainly did last year. They didn't do it. So I'm guessing the answer is no. By the way, I don't know if you saw on Twitter in the last few minutes, I made a joke earlier that I was proud of everybody because everybody went to Cam Newton as the guy they should get, and nobody mentioned RG3 because normally that's the move. And literally, as Rivera says, Fitzpatrick's going to IR, RG3 tweets out a video of him running down the sideline against the Vikings and saying, you know, give me a call or something, make the call or something like that. So, no, no, no. He had the last of Bobby three sticks. No, no, no. We can't make that mistake. See, sometimes you have to just learn your lesson. All right. Because at one point, I was almost getting ran out the city after his rookie year because I told him that I, I don't see any plays that he can constantly do these plays and repeat I don't think he is good as everybody and everybody like what are you talking about and then the fall of RG3 happened I just think when you're in a relationship with somebody and y'all break up y'all break up for a reason I ain't no use to hitting the reverse button going back to that bad relationship I'm good I think Coach Rivera did he wouldn't want that media storm that comes <laughs> with Robert. and that's why I also think the Cam Newton thing there's a lot going on there so I think I think they're good on there. I do believe they have confidence in Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen, for that matter. When Rivera did trade for Allen last year, he said, or before last season, and he said at the end of last season that if he hadn't gotten hurt, he thinks they could have had the same success as they did with Alex Smith down the stretch. Whether you buy that or not, that's, we'll, we'll see, and we'll see if Kyle Allen gets in into the mix. Um, I guess just to go to Heineke, you said you're you're a believer, um, and we did. Obviously, he was you know really fun in that playoff game against Tampa Bay. The offense spent months working on a plan with Ryan Fitzpatrick in mind, this guy who's an aggressive down the fall, down the field thrower and all that. And now you have a guy in Heineke who's a very different type of quarterback, a mobile threat. You can do some more rollouts, some RPOs, things like that. Now I asked Rivera sort of what I just said to you, like, well, does this sort of change what you do? And he said, no, we'll call the same plays. I don't know if I buy that, but you tell me no, as a defender. I, I don't understand, uh, uh, Ben. At the end of the day, these guys are not too different. You, like, they're, they're not every, okay. Tell me, every guy in there is the same ingredients from Kyle Allen to Ryan Fitzpatrick to to Ryan, I mean Tyler Heineke. They are the same dude. Uh, Heineke is just a younger, more mobile version of Ryan Fitz, 
Fitzpatrick is it's the same guy. So coach is right. You still run the same game plan with all three of these guys in there. Nothing changes. You still push the ball down the field. You still run the ball with Antonio Gibson. You still get the ball to Logan Thomas. It, it, nothing changes with this offense. All right. Well, look, I mean, who am I to argue against two, uh, two guys who played in the league, especially uh, on, on the, on the other side of the ball. Uh, you mentioned the energy that Heineke provided because it felt like there was a slow start out there. It did seem like that. Now they did move the ball a little bit, but only were settling for field goals. And I would say broadly for the game, even though there was only a four point difference in the end, it felt like it was a lot more than that. And we'll get to what was wrong with Washington's defense in a second, but what did you see with the offense? I guess, I mean, I guess it doesn't so much matter what was not exactly cooking with Fitzpatrick, but considering it's week one at home, I guess how jarring is it that they were unable to have a lot of energy and really kind of on, on both sides of the ball at the start? Because you know what? Uh, games are won in the trenches. I know it's an old saying, but that's the truth. And yesterday we lost in trench warfare. Joey Bosa should be arrested for what he did to Sam Cosby. Uh, he literally <laughs> beat him like literally child abuse. I told you I need to get the Maryland Police Department on the phone right now for what Joe Bosa, Bosa did to him. And not only was him, Leno, the rest of the guys got beat up pretty bad, too, on that offensive line. But they showed me they got to work on the pass blocking. But the run blocking, they did that well. They did the run blocking side of that well. And, and if you can't win in the trench game, a team like uh, a team like L.A. will put 80 plays up. They played 79 plays on offense yesterday, part of the, the, the L.A. Chargers, to our 49 plays. That means we couldn't keep the drives attacked. Uh, and that's because we could not pass block and protect yesterday, and we could not keep our quarterback clean. Did you, I, I mean, I know you, I saw you out at practice at, at training camp but, uh, here and there, and I'm sure, you know, with what you're doing, getting ready for the season, you thought about this. Did you have a – how much of a concern was the offensive line for you relative to just in general, but also when you have a 38-year-old Fitzpatrick, and I know you say he and Heineke are kind of – can do some more some similar things, but he's not a guy who's known for his mobility in that way. How, how, was that a how, was that a concern for you? It was for me going into the year. Yeah, I, I want to know what we had because we had a couple question marks over there. And when you got question marks, you have to wait and see. And we had to wait and see. Now they know what they need to work on because New York Giants and Philadelphia, oh, this trench warfare right there. They have great, good, great, good to great defensive lines over there. And that's what you had to see. Like, it's all a big test. And it's all a long story that's playing out because we got people waking up now, you flat earthers, thinking that we're going to go two and, and 15 right now. Then we, if we would have won, you would have had some people talking about we're going to the Super Bowl. So people don't know how to be in between. Not too high, not too low. You know, I call it paralysis by over-analysis. Sometimes just take what you see and, and say, you know what, the process is going to either get better or it's going to get worse, but let's wait and see. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more on the people can't find a balance. And, I, and, and like, part of it is like being on Twitter and I get that everybody wants to have a hot take or just you only have 280 characters to state your opinion so you go all in on something. Uh, it does drive me crazy. Even people who do what we do, you know, at least on the media side, can do some of that and and like i'm a much believer in not so much just nuance but just just take everything for face value it isn't it's not the, the world doesn't automatically end or or you haven't even solved all the world's problems by what happens and in this case look obviously ryan fitzpatrick is the better of the three quarterbacks that they had he's played the best football of his career recently and they basically here he's going to get the job there was no quarterback competition it was ryan fitzpatrick's job that said Heineke and Kyle Allen, should they have to play, have both shown the ability to play in this league. And it's not like Fitzpatrick was Aaron Rodgers. 
So I don't know. There is a drop, but I don't know if it's like seismic. I think the issue is, can Heineke stay healthy? Does his game get exposed with more, um, with more film, with more time on the field? He barely has played in the NFL, relatively speaking. Um, and I think that to me is the big questions for, for him. Obviously, it's hard to know how, to, how either one of those things will play out, but what do you kind of make of that both can he stay healthy and is his is he do we even know how defense will adjust to him once they have time to really uh, assess him uh, i think he can stay healthy that's gonna be that's gonna be the question all year but i don't i don't see the defenses uh how should i say catching up to him because it's not like he's lamar jackson and he has this different dichotomy than somebody else he's he's a pro quarterback he can throw from the pocket he can move a little bit nothing special he, he, he is just a quarterback in this league. I think the question is, how long does it take him? But Because I really like the fact that he shows a, a comfortability that most guys that only played as many reps as he has usually don't show. And because he, he, he because he's so comfortable, I think it makes his teammates feel uh, more confidence when it comes to him. Because I, I haven't seen a moment be too big. If I tell you, you got to play against the greatest player of all time in a playoff game, and you would just on campus going to class and you got 72 hours to get ready and you go out there and you stand up and go blow blow with the champ, it's sort of like Rocky. We keep forgetting his first move and he lost that fight. But because he went toe-to-toe with him, we gave him all the respect in the world. And that's what Heineke has right now. And you can tell by the fan base when he walked, I mean, when he got in the game, they was electric, right? So at the end of the day, he got the post of the city. The question is, can he keep it? Yeah, I mean, the, the Rocky analogy absolutely works. I mean, it really is a wild story. <laughs> Still, that, that, you know, he came in from literally being on his couch studying for classes at ODU to within a couple of weeks playing and then playing against uh, Tom Brady um, in, in the playoffs. It'll be interesting to, sir, to, to for sure. Just to go back to Fitzpatrick for a second, I mean, wow. I mean, you got to feel bad. I mean, you can feel bad for anybody who gets hurt. But in this case, here's this guy with his crazy career. He's bounced from here. He's bounced to there. Even when he's played well, he's been benched often because there's like a young hot shot. They're waiting to groom to come in. Like that's what happened to him in Miami, basically. And he's going to get this opportunity. It's pretty clear he's starting. This is a pretty, potentially a pretty good team. And in the first half of his first start, he gets hurt. We didn't even see one second of the actual Fitz magic. Like he didn't do one thing yet for the reason why people get so excited about him. And I'm, I don't want to speculate what this injury, but you know, a hip injury doesn't sound great. And you know, if, if he were to miss a significant time or maybe even the year, you know, that could be it. Uh, you know, Cause I don't know who's going to want a 39 year old quarterback coming off this injury. What do you just sort of think about it from that perspective? And, and just, you know, like you, you mentioned the monkey paw thing and just sort of have things that something always seems to happen with this place. Well, you know what? I feel sorry for Fitzmagic personally from a player's point of view because you never want to see a player, uh, first of all, get injured in any kind of way. And like you said, he's at the, the, the glory of the twilight years of his con- I mean, uh, his, his his career, and I think he understands that. And to go out there and it be the first game out of last game, the pain is still there. You know, the surgery still has to happen. The rehab has to happen. Uh, maybe it's one of these things where, you know, like I said, you can't control it. Injuries, all of us got injured. I mean, injured. If you play football, you we all a, a play away. And I think we we kind of think like that. And, and that's that's what makes it such a gladiator sport. But we also know every time somebody's injured, somebody else steps up and, and starts their career. So if we're watching the end of one career, we could be watching the birth of another one with Tyler Heineken. 
Um, all right, let, let me get to some other points of this game because it was obviously a lot was about the quarterback, but <laughs> there, there were some other components as well. The Chargers offense, like we spent all this offseason talking about all the quarterbacks that this team was about to face. Uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, et cetera. And it's all started with week one, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert lived up to all the hype, uh, I thought, in this game. I mean, they only did scored um, the 20 points, but they came out right out of the gates, a, a really easy 75-yard drive to start the game. And he converted one third down after another. That They were 14 of 19 on third. And the only reason it was 19 instead of 18 was they, the kneel down play in the end. So they just they, they moved the chains whenever and wherever they, 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 they wanted. How much of that? Obviously, it goes both ways. But from what you saw, how much of that was just Justin Herbert was that good? And how much of it was Washington's defense uh, was really struggling? No, no, he, I was amazed by him. He is dead good. I knew he was good, but to see it in person, to watch him take out that scalpel and be surgical on a defense that I, I have in very high regard is special also. He doesn't get enough props for the things he brings to the table and the things that he do. That duo is going to be around for years demolishing people. I, like I said, I was, I, was, I was blown away by how good Justin Herbert was passing the ball, where he put the ball, decisions he made, getting the ball out of his hand quick, feeling the rush, getting outside the pocket. I, I think the guy's a special kid. Yeah, I mean, he was wildly Im, 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 impressive. And like I said, this is going to be the challenge this year. Last year, I mean, we, we'll see in theory. We're, we're talking theory. Last year, there was a lot, of, a lot of good quarterbacks on the schedule. They ended up facing a bunch of backups who were overmatched. So far, <laughs> one starter anticipated playing. He played and did and did his job. Since, you, since you're a cornerback, I, I guess I'll ask, what did you think of the secondary? And in particular, I guess, you know, it was pretty obvious the Chargers were, were going after Benjamin St. Just a bit. He, he was on the, the wrong end of the touchdown to Mike Williams, who, you know, big guy, good receiver. Uh, obviously, he's a rookie in his first game. That, not expecting him to be Fred Smoot or Daryl Green, but what did you, th what did you see uh, from, from him and what would you kind of think to, he, he needs to, uh, to work on? Well, we, we, that's the one thing yesterday. We didn't have a good outing by any of our rookies. Our rookies yesterday, all the whole group got baptized by fire yesterday. And St. Juice, you know, for, for the pass that he gave up, he was never beat. He was never burnt, all right? Mike Williams just made some veteran moves and knew how to catch the ball and to put his big body in between St. Juice and, and the ball. So I'm not worried about Juice when it comes to that aspect because he was never out of phase. He was never out of pocket. The question I want to know with St. Juice is, is he going to take his ball skills to the next level? Finding the ball, that was the problem he had in college, and that's a problem that he still have right now. Finding the ball. Uh, is he going to be one of those guys that's just more Carlos Rogers-like, where he's going to have more breakups than he is interceptions? But if he's going to take his game to the next level, his, his ball skills have to get better, and they have to get better quickly. Wow, you invoked the Carlos Rogers name. Uh, uh, that 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 is a lot of dropped interceptions and that going flowing through my head right now. Um, all right, well, I'm gonna try to gonna try to clear that and focus on the uh, <laughs> on the on the task at hand. Uh, what else did you see out of this defense? Obviously, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, not their usual flying around performances. Uh, Chase Young, whoever seen the lineup against Rashawn Slater, the rookie left tackle seem to get uh, to ha ha have some problems and obviously at the end of the day regardless of who's playing quarterback if this defense isn't 
being everything that people project them to be. It's whatever you're going to say, top five, top 10, whatever it is, defense applying pressure, being all over the place, they're going to struggle. So what did you kind of see from that front in particular uh, or just anywhere else on this defense? Well, you know, the thing about it, this ain't Rashawn Slater's first go around with Chase. Him and Chase went at it in college when he was at Northwestern, and he gave Chase fits then. So if if, if Chase has any Achilles here, it's Rashawn Slater right now in the NFL. And you're right. He gave sweat problems, whoever. That's why you get a left tackle of that caliber for when you play pass rushes of the caliber of the one we have. But I also know as a player, Anytime you, I know Justin Herbert did not run yesterday, but when you're playing a running quarterback, the D line is told go up the field, but only four, four or five yards. Don't just completely rush like you would rush with a with a with a with pocket pass. So now you got the, the D line thinking instead of just reacting. And when you make any group think too much during the game, they'll play slow. And that's what I saw yesterday. I saw them playing slow because they was thinking too much instead of just going out there letting the dogs off the leash. Um, the Chargers didn't play a lot of their starters in the preseason. Like Herbert didn't play at all. Derwin James they didn't, didn't play, play. None of them. None and, of them. None of them played. Not one. <laughs> Washington didn't play the starters in the in the preseason finale, but otherwise did. So, is there any rhyme or reason as to why the Chargers seem to be more efficient on both sides of the ball than Washington did? Is it just how it goes, or? Can you make any sense of, of that? No, I think it's nothing since you can make it is because you got to realize, even though they didn't play none of their players in the preseason, but they also had uh, uh, practices with the 49ers. So, right. you know, let's go game situation right there. So I think they had, though, they substituted those game situations for some practice situations. So I don't think there's any rhyme or reason. They just, like I said, I feel like the staff just got out coached yesterday. I didn't feel like the players physically got beat. Um, yeah, I mean, like, and just to sort of broaden it back out again, like, I, I, I feel like I should be more stunned that here we are, you know, you lose the home opener, which is not great. It's not the end of the world, but it's not great. And then the quarterback is out for, we don't know how long. And I don't even feel that stunned about any of this because after what happened, all the things that happened last year, everything I've witnessed for the last 10 to 20 years, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's another day, another dollar with with, with this place. These are the things that, that seemed to, to, to happen. And, you know, you mentioned the, the monkey paw thing, which I would note if there was one, they, they, they dug up the whole turf. So if it was one there, <laughs> it should be gone. Um, that, that means somebody even put a monkey paw chicken foot voodoo. Somebody had to do something like that. So because it was wide open, somebody snuck in and was able to, it was able to do something. Um, but you, I mean, you've been here. You were a player on this team. You are still around this organization a lot as, as a part of the media, part of the alumni and what have you. Like, again, it's only one game. I'm not writing off the season at all. It's absolutely conceivable that they could still be in the mix for the NFC East. But just do you and the other alum just ever look at and just going, what, 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 what? Like, why, why do these things keep happening here? No, no, I don't. I know I don't because, first of all, I'm realistic with myself and situation and variables can't be predicted. Uh, I ain't the type of woe is me guy. I understand and I'm patient and I understand that our coach has only been here for a year and a half. One of those years was the COVID year. Like, come on, people. Just like the tide is changing. We have the most talented team in the NFL under the age of 25. All right. That means once we find that the quarterback, and Heineken couldn't be that guy moving forward, but once we find that, we will have all the pieces in place. And we're not for a year of winning or two years of winning, 
for a whole decade plus of winning. So I'm willing to be patient and I'm willing to and go through the ups and downs. Any relationship has some good days and some bad days, but that will make you appreciate your spouse is we can get through the bad and we can enjoy the good. Do you, do you, do you practice these analogies? Cause you always have great analogies. Do you practice them or are they just literally like off the top of your head at all times? <laughs> nah, they just come, you know, when you're from Mississippi, the old people, they got so many analogies that you just have to get used to. It. <laughs> um, it's so much, so much there. Um, one last question about the game and then we can move on to something else. So Heineke comes in and he's, and I get what you're saying that, there's some similarities in Fitzpatrick, but he is a different human being. He has different traits and NFL teams practice. Okay. Here's the, here's, here's the tendencies with this guy. Here's where this guy likes to go. Here's what they like to call with this guy. Then the backup comes in and things are a little bit different. And it always feels like to me that from a game plan perspective, it's like for teams, it's like uh, the difference between an ocean cruiser and a little speedboat from like a turn radius perspective, the ocean cruise, the, the playbook is like the ocean cruiser. You can't just turn it easily that you have yeah. this plan and it's kind of what it is. Whereas, um, you know, the, the other little, the little boats, you know, you can kind of move in, in, in and out, I guess, is that the case? And why is that the case? What, what is the, what is the challenge? Why is it so challenging to in game say, okay, by the way, Taylor Heineke, different guy. We want to do this. It's just too much information. It's just not conceivable to do it all the time with so many people, why is that the case? Because on defense, we literally put a game plan in specifically to stop a quarterback of his style and fashion. And once you put in the other backup quarterback, now we're, we're taking on a whole different animal. It's like, it's like when you go hunting, all right? It's some animals you hunt. You hunt a deer, all right? Then it's some animals, a wild boar, you trap a wild boar. All right, so one animal you hunt, one animal you trap. All right, now if we going to hunt an animal and we come out here and now I run into a boar, I'm not prepared to hunt that boar because I have to trap him instead of hunt him. And the key is understanding what animal are you hunting or trapping. And I think once we study our week for one, and then we had to come out and play the other one, it's hard for our coordinator, not for us, it's hard for our coordinator to get away from the game plan that he has put in all week long. He, he he don't want to scrape too far away from that when maybe he needs to. Uh, I, I I like the animal uh, description. Get another good uh, another good analogy out of you. Um, before I ask you a couple other quick things about this team, I do this thing. I haven't done it for a little bit where I, where it's like a get to know you thing where I ask the guest some random questions that have like nothing to do with any of this stuff. I didn't just I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but where would you be down if I if I do this? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Who was your all-time favorite athlete growing up? Deion Sanders. That's no secret. I wrote, I wrote two in college because of Deion, and you know 21 was my number when I first got here, which he gave to me. I mean, obviously, I can see the uh, the position, the, 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 the talking. What was it about Deion that made you go, oh, wow, that's my guy? Well, you know what? We're in the entertainment business, and to me, he was the first athlete because you could be an uber athlete but not an entertainer he was the first to take on the entertainment part i and not just take it on bad skinny he sold a position like he made cornerback a glamour position all right he changed the game he changed he, he's like steph curry now you go into a gym every kid from here to china shooting threes because steph curry changed the game but Deion sanders changed the game for defensive backs all right. Uh, 
Next question. Um, I know you're on Twitter. I don't think of you as a Twitter person, but you're on Twitter. Who yeah. is who is somebody that doesn't follow you on Twitter that you wish did? Barack Obama. I wish Barack followed me on Twitter so I could crack jokes with him. <laughs> he follows like half a million people, and like I don't get, I don't have that follow either. I'm like, how does? It, I always wonder. Like sometimes I see a random person that he follows. I get like he follows, you know. I don't know, Beyonce or something. But like you follow like a random person with like 200 followers. I'm like, who's making these? What what algorithm is making these decisions or who he's following? <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, all right. I like that one. Um, all right. Here's one. Based on a hobby or a habit, what is a Hall of Fame that you qualify for? I'm in the uh, 7-Eleven Hall of Fame because I go there way too much. I like, say bowling. I think I'm, uh, I'm actually finna go pro again. I'm finna be two sport known because I am a two, I mean a 270, 280 bowler. And I think it's time now for me to go pro and compete uh uh all over the world. I want to be a part of the PBA. Really? Is it I mean I, what is it? How does one qualify to get on the pro bowls or assume you can't just go? That's what I'm trying to find out because I think it's time for bowling to have his first black trash talking player who's gonna bring some light to the sport of bowling, okay? No, I mean, I, this is like a no-brainer. What was the guy? Uh, I'm blanking here. Who was the guy? The the, uh, the 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 one guy who was who everybody. The, there's the one clip where he. Uh, who, who's the famous ball boy who does talk some trash? Uh, oh, you're not talking about the one with the, the orange hair, is it? No. <laughs> no, there's a couple of guys out there, but like I said, as a sport, bowling never gets the respect as the pro sport that it, it deserves because it needs this Deion Sanders. Right? It needs that sales. All right, it needs that salesman to sell the sport. Yeah, Pete Weber is the guy I was thinking about. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, I, yeah. I don't know if he's even still bowling, but if we get a Fred Smoot versus Pete Weber matchup, I mean, this is this is the definition of must see TV. All right, we're gonna have to have this. Yeah. We're gonna have to discuss this. We I, we may have to have the athletic write write about your journey to the Pro Bowl store because this is a no brainer. But well, I don't, well, if you're if you're bowling at two seventy two eighty, like what the guys who are on tour. The top guys, like, I mean, obviously they can't average a 300. Like, what are they rolling? They, they, they around 260, 270, 280. This, this where all of them at. I've bowled numerous 300 games, so I, I'm ready for it. And I love the spotlight. I can only get better, right? <laughs> I can only get better. Well, I mean, have you actually asked? Like, you just go to the Pro Bowling website and just fill out an application. Like, what do you have to do? Uh, that's what I don't know. I don't know if you. I've heard that you you have to go to a couple of regional meets, but I don't know when the regionals are going on. And you they they have amateurs, and once you beat some amateurs, they'll let you play against the pros. All right. Well, I mean, I, I've watched King the movie Kingpin a few times. I don't know if that helps our cause, but I'm gonna maybe go rewatch it again to uh, to see if I can gain any insight into that. Um, uh, all right. This is this is the best news I've heard today. I, I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, Last question. Let's go to the spin it back to the football team. Uh, on top of everything else, I got a game Thursday and it's against the Giants. I mean, look, I don't want to say it's a must win because obviously it's only week two, but at the same point, the first two games are at home. Uh, the, the, the Everybody knows the stats. You know, it's a really, really hard road to climb to make the playoffs if you start 0 2. The next week three is at Buffalo, which I know they, the Bills lost this week, but they're, you know, one of the better teams in the league. So you're really looking like this season could be in big peril if you don't win this game, but they've never beaten Daniel Jones. I think he's four and zero against this team, which is bizarre because yeah. he barely beats 
anybody else. So what do you I don't know if you caught the Giants game yesterday. I did not. Uh, but what what do you make of, of this? Like, what's the key coming off the short week with everything going on to, to, to beat the Giants? I think Daniel Jones gets a bad rap because he's one of the few athletes that made it to the pros with a regular name. Like Daniel Jones, you can't sell that on back of a jersey. If I told you I'm finna go get my cousin Daniel Jones and we finna beat you up, you'll probably be like, go get Daniel Jones. I don't give a damn about Daniel Jones. <laughs> but you're right. We haven't beat him, and he seems to have his best game against us, but that had that tie has to turn eventually. I think it, eventually your luck runs out. I don't think they offensive line match up well against our defensive line. Saquon Barkley will be on the pitch count. The only group I'm worried about with them is their wide receiver group. They, that's a deep, tough group right there. Uh, that's a deep, tough group when you want to talk about wide receiver group. I'm saying this. They could be the best wide receiver group in the division, and you see how good the Cowboys wide receiver group is. That's how good the Giants group is. So it'll be a test for our defensive backs. Uh, by the way, you're you're not lying. I'm much more scared of Dak Pre- of the name Dak Prescott or Baker Mayfield than I am Daniel Jones. Uh, that's yeah, why that- Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones sounds like he's a janitor at the local mall. That, that's why I never understood. Like I, I used to watch WWE. It's been a long time though. But like when I saw that Daniel Bryan was becoming a thing, I was like, "That's his name, Daniel Bryan." Like, what is that? That's not <laughs> what. What is that doing it's just for like me? A brown paper bag with nothing on it. Like there's just nothing special about it. <laughs> um, fantastic. Um, Fred, you, you rule like always. Oh, wait, I got, I, but before I go, the name. Okay, so I haven't talked to you for a minute. Obviously, you are the number one proponent for Red Wolves. Um, we know they're down to three names. No, there's not a list of eight, or at least a definitive list of eight. But it feels like Red Wolves is at least sort of maybe kind of hypothetically somewhere in the in the mix. I, I don't think it's going to be that, but I don't know. Where, where are you at with with the name, are you still thinking it's gonna be Red Wolves, or what, what do you think is the I'm, favorite? I'm confident. Like you gotta realize, we threw this thing out of thin air, and it made it to the last three. Like you gotta say, that's that's a lot. Wait, that's you, a lot. Are we saying it's in the last three? Do we know that? Yeah, we have. Have you not watched the show? The show they got over there called Making the Brand. All right, in Making the Brand, they showed all of the the mascots that's available on the jumbotron. Out of the five they showed, three was wolves. Three of the mock-ups were wolves, all right? All I'm saying is this. A cowboy's job, if we want to keep the rivalry in sync, a cowboy job is to protect the herd from wolves, all right? From wolves, all right? We get to keep the burger and gold. We get to keep the HTTR. We get to have uh, 80,000 howling at one time. We get to have rituals that come with this. If we just stay the football team, what's going to be your ritual? Just we just here for the football game? No, I'm gonna tell them this. They should let me run the stadium for Halloween. And I would tell everybody out there, whatever mascot you want the team to be, represent that on Halloween. And we'll see how many wolves show up in there. Everybody from the Stark family and everybody else will be there. The wolves will back up and be there. I mean, uh, the, the, yeah, I'm all in on the Fred Smoot uh, Halloween decoration stadium. Uh, yeah, all that. Uh, I, know, I just think it's a good way to say show your interest in the mascot you want on Halloween. Uh, you know, the game that's close to Halloween, where, what mascot you want. And we'll see, I bet you 75% of that stadium have some kind of wolf mask on. So they're, they're, on the, they're in Denver on Halloween, but maybe what you should do is you could organize a Fred Smoot party where you tell people 
the theme is this come dressed as the mascot that you want this team to get. I think that's a reasonable, you can, you can you proceeds for charity or whatever you want, or I don't know, whatever you, whatever you go. I think yep. this is, all right, you're welcome. You can take that, that part of the idea and run with it. Um, Anything, anything you need to, to let people know you, you are all over the place and anything you're working on, anything you want people to know about? All I want people to know is it's the first game of the year. Step off that ledge, flat earthers. All right, we're going to be okay. Get his team time. All right, you know, just 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 get his team time. We will get there. Brad, always appreciate it. You're always a good time. Uh, we'll we'll talk soon. Good luck to your to you and your Red Wolves, and uh, we'll see what happens. All right, brother. All right, many thanks to Fred Smoot for his time. Many thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast and reading. Uh, me over on The Athletic. Uh, more to come this week. I, I'm not a 1,000% sure about the podcast schedule because of the short time. I don't like putting up a podcast that's going to be sort of irrelevant in 24 hours, but we'll see. Maybe I'll have a Wednesday one. Uh, if nothing else, obviously, we'll have plenty of time to dissect the Giants and how things uh, looked with Taylor Heineke and the offense um, after that game. Um, but that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.